Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We are uh, in week four of a message series that we titled Frequency, Tuning In to God's Voice. And it's probably one of the most asked questions that pastors receive, uh, and and it's in it, it's 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 a simple answer in context. Um, but they, you know, people ask, "How do I hear God's voice?" I mean, that's I think we'd all agree that's a good thing. And as a believer, you're hardwired and designed to hear God. You were created in the image of God, right? And so God created you with the ability to speak and the ability to hear. Okay, because he's a hearing and speaking God. And his speaking didn't stop when the Bible was written. It continues today through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And so week one, we talked about and we laid a foundation, just a good basic doctrine foundation on the fact that you are hardwired to hear his voice. Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and then they follow me. All right, the world wants to make you its sheep <laughs> in many ways. Okay, uh, Jesus said, "No, no, no, you're not of the world. You're actually of my kingdom, and so uh, you're not going to buy and follow the world. You're going to buy and follow me." And so He said, "I'm the good shepherd. That's Jesus. You're my sheep." Okay, He says, "You'll hear my voice." So God is speaking. Wants to speak to you. Then in week two, we talked about the importance of rest and slowing down. And uh, had, had this big, big idea that one of the thoughts that we wanted to convey was if the devil can't stop you, he's going to get behind you and push you to the point that you're so busy that you don't have time for God. And a lot of people in this room would say, you know, we're all busy, right? Everybody has been having a full life, right? The devil wants to get behind you. He wants to get you so busy that you go to bed late and then you miss prayer time in the morning and you're too busy with stuff going on. So on Sunday morning, you don't have time to go to church because I got to get everything done that I get done during the week and blah, blah, blah. It just feels overwhelming when we do it to ourselves sometime. So that was week two. Then in week three, we shared some real practical ways to position yourself in the presence of God and, and drove home the thought that God comes to prepared environments. And remember, we, we talked about four key things. The four key things were to set an appointment with God, right? To be still in worship, quiet the mind, to pray, to read the word, and then to listen and to write. And if you missed any of those messages, I encourage you to go. We have them on our YouTube channel from uh, Josh Fair and Gil uh, and the team. They work hard on those every single week. We're so grateful for them. And those messages are online. So if you want any of those or the notes, they'll, they'll be online over there. But when you take a look at the New Testament church, you know, church, church was actually designed for the believers. Uh, it wasn't until really in the, in the 80s and 90s that there was this seeker-sensitive thing that crept into the church where the church suddenly was all about going and reaching the lost. And I understand the, the reason that the church did that is because the church was not being evangelistic, that the church had done a really poor job at equipping the uh, saints for the work of the ministry. 
And so instead of people actually feeling empowered in their faith, they felt like the crux was they needed to lean on the pastor of the church to all do all the heavy lifting and evangelism. So they thought, if I could just get my, my friend to church, then the pastor will do his thing. They'll get saved. They'll disciple him, et cetera. When Jesus was like, no, I'm going to actually teach you how to disciple people. You're, you're actually going to be my hands and feet. And so it, it be, in the 80s and 90s, the church came, became this kind of like pyramid where all the pressure was on the pastor. But one of the things that I love about the Connect groups, uh, with Nicole Edgman leading our, uh, as the director of our Connect groups, one of the things I love about the Connect groups, it's not all about the pastors. It's all about each other, speaking into each other, loving on each other, caring for one another, et cetera. And, um, and there's a beautiful empowerment that that happens. But if you look at, and you do your research and take a look at a quick history lesson, the church was actually for the believers. It was a time for the believers. They would come together. And a lot of them were so freaked out because the world has gone crazy. They're being persecuted. And so they would get together in somebody's house and they would share a meal. They'd break bread. They'd take communion like we did today. And they would pray for one another. And then the, 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 the teachers, the pastors, the apostles, they'd get up and they would share a word and they would actually teach. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily looked at to be evangelistic in nature. No, no, you're, you're to go do the work of the evangelist, right? Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need, you need to do the work of the evangelist. Why? Because Timothy was naturally a pastor. But Paul said, Timothy, I need to get you outside of your comfort zone, and you need to go sit with some people at the well, like Jesus sat with the woman at the well, right? And so, so we, as a body, need to do more of that. So that's where the New Testament church started. And here at Authentic Church, you know, we're a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. So everything we do is based on the Bible, on the Word of God, we're spirit-empowered. We believe that when Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, that the best gift that was ever given to us as a, as a body of believers was the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus took his place at the right hand of the Father, the Holy Spirit was released to live and breathe in the lives of the believers and empower the local church. And we're, we're presence-driven, meaning we don't want to be driven by programs or missions of a man. We want to be driven by the presence of God. We want to be led by the presence of God. And so that's why here at Authentic Church, we love taking some additional time in worship. The presence of God does more in one second in your life than anything I'm going to say today. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into this week's series, uh, week four, uh, as we dive into this. Just join me if you would. Lean in, and let's pray together. God, I thank you for your word. It is a light. It's a lamp. It guides us. It convicts us. It challenges us. And God, we didn't come to hear man speak. We came to hear your voice speak. So Lord, I pray that you would speak. God, speak through this message. Speak to our hearts today. God, that we would be hearing of you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus 25. And while, while you're turning there, um, I, had a, I had a great time this week. A buddy of mine is in uh, this morning, Josh Davis, that's over there. Josh and Jen Davis, wave, say hello. Some of our best friends there. And for my uh, birthday this past summer, Josh gave me a gift. He said, I'm going to fly you up to watch the Seahawks take on the Rams in Seattle. And it's a Thursday night football game, so I know you can make it. And I'm like, praise God, let's do it. So we went and we painted our faces. And uh, no, I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. Not against it. I'm just not really for that. I'm praying. One of my prayers is one day that our church service on a Sunday will outshout Ram Stadium, Seahawks Stadium, et cetera, right? I mean, 
You look in the Bible, you look in the Bible, and unfortunately, sometimes Seahawks Stadium looks more like what the Bible talks about in praise and worship than a church on a Sunday morning, but not here. We're worshiping people. So Josh blesses me, flies me up. We go up to the game. It was great. It had its moments, and it was painful to watch. And my Seahawks, unfortunately, fell to the mighty Rams. Uh, for all you Rams fans, God bless you. You can still come to church here. It's totally cool. I grew up Catholic, so we confess our sins one to another, right? <laughs> but we had a great time. And you know, football, one of the greatest coaches in football history is a guy named Vince Lombardi. And he coaches my buddy's team, the, the Packers. How fitting. He's wearing the hat today. Uh, so uh, so he, coaches, he coached the Packers years ago. And Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest coaches that would ever live, coached amazing teams. And he would start every off-season practice when he would gather all his guys together for the first time. He'd have them take a knee, and he'd stand up in front of him in his suit, and he would hold up a football, and he'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. <laughs> and he was so focused on the basics, because he knew if they got the basics down, then they could be more effective in the other areas of the game. And, and if, I, if I was your coach in, in, in your, your journey with God, uh, it really, I would focus on the, what I would call the big three. Uh, the big three would be worship, the big three would be word, and the big three would be prayer. Those would be like the big, if I was gonna, if I'm discipling you and I'm gonna give you the big three elements that I think you need to carry for the rest of your lives, what I try to instill into my kids is that they would be people of worship, people of the word, and be people of prayer. Interestingly enough, in the Bible, there's only three named angels. <laughs> you had Lucifer, you had Gabriel, you had Michael. Lucifer, by the way, is out of a job. Um, he... Lucifer uh, actually oversaw uh, worship, and so Lucifer was the, the worship leader uh, for all of heaven. And, you know, people talk about how evil he, you know, Lucifer the devil is and everything else. You know what he really is? He was narcissistic. He, he, he wanted all the credit. He wanted all the glory. He wanted everything to come. He's narcissistic. And some of you have come in contact with narcissistic people. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Lucifer oversaw the worship, right? Gabriel, well, he was always bringing a word, right? I love it. The angels show up and people freak out and they're like, don't be afraid. But then the angels are like, man, it's like, can you like tone down the moxie? Because you like, I can't even stand in your presence right now, right? And so Gabriel was the word. And then the last one, Michael, uh, was really an example of prayer. Daniel, when he's fasting and praying, He's praying, and, and, and then 21 days into his fast, and he's praying. Now, he didn't set out, by the way, to just, I'm going to do 21-day fast. No, no. He was fasting until he got the breakthrough. Some people set out, and they say, I'm going to do a three-day fast, and we dictate to God, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a three-day, or a week, or a 21-day, or a 40-day. What could happen to the person, the church, the situation in your life if you fasted until you saw a breakthrough? So Daniel prays, and, and Michael comes, and he's like, Bro, where you been? I've been praying. I've been fasting. And Michael's like, hold on, calm down. On the first day that you started praying, I started coming. But there was a war going on. And some of us forget there's a war going on. 
There's a war against your family, your marriage, your finances. There's a war going on. Whatever the devil can do to take you out, dude, he's gonna come at you. He wants to come at you with everything he's got to take you out from all that God has in you and wants to do through your life. And so prayer is important. So I wanna, I, again, the, the big three. So you have, you have wor- worship, you have word, and you have prayer. So we're gonna dive in today, and I'm, I wanna give you a picture of, uh, that will hopefully be a great reminder for the rest of your life on prayer. You know, James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Ephesians 2, uh, chapter 6 says, God has raised us up with him and seated him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, when you pray, uh, it shifts your mindset and your perspective to a heavenly view. That's what it's talking about. You're seated with him in the heavenly places. So when you're getting into a time of prayer, really the goal is, hey, no matter what's going on in my situation, my life, etc., I'm gonna be raised above it. I have the mind of Christ, and I'm gonna see this situation differently. Faith begins to rise up, and you begin to see yourself as the, a victor, not a victim. And so our goal when we get into that atmosphere of prayer is that intimacy with God. In the book of Exodus, we're going to jump into Exodus 25 here in a second, but Exodus records how the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, so they've been in bondage for hundreds of years, and they come out of Egypt, and and God leads them away. And then in Exodus 25, what does God lead them to do? He gives them uh, this commandment, Exodus 25, verse 8 through 9. He says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. For me, my assignment today in the next 25 minutes we have together uh, is to give you a a bit of an in-depth teaching on prayer. Okay, it's gonna be a lot of notes. If you wanna take pictures, you can take pictures. This will all be online as well. Uh, But I wanna give you an in-depth teaching today, more in-depth than we normally do. But I wanna keep in mind the tabernacle. I'm gonna show you a picture of the tabernacle here. So the tabernacle, it was about, roughly about 50 yards long. For you football people, you know what 50 yards looks like. It was about 50 yards length to length and about 25 uh, across the middle there. And you, you had this, it was, it was all situated in Israel. The Israelites would camp all around the tabernacle. This whole thing would be referred to as the tabernacle, this thing in the middle, the tent of meeting. And there's a few articles uh, before you get to the tent of meeting that we're going to talk about uh, today. In Exodus 33, verse 11, so here's what's happened. They build the tabernacle, and what would happen with Moses is he would, verse 11, he would go inside that tent of meeting, And the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. In our prayer time, in our worship time, in our daily encounter with God time, the goal is always that you'd be able to hear the voice of God and that he would speak to you like he spoke to Moses as a friend. We want to be known as friends of God because that's what he says that we are. So I want to keep that that picture of the tabernacle, I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through this teaching today. So you have this area that you have, they have the gate, and it was always facing east. Okay, God was a God of order, right? He comes to prepared environments. So it's facing east. You had the gate. 
you have the outer courts, you have the brazen altar, the laver, then you get into the holy, get into the, the tent of meeting, into the holy place, and then about right here, then there's going to be an opening to the holy of holies where the ark was. And we're going to unpack all this, and I'm going to share, and hopefully it's going to be a, a really, really great reminder to you. But I titled this message, Portable Prayers portable prayers. And my hope is that the picture of the tabernacle, it's going to be memorable. I found in life, if it's memorable, it's portable. Okay. For you managers, you leaders, you business owners, parents. <laughs> okay. If it's memorable, it's portable. If I can remember it, I can take it with me. Right. And so if it's memorable, it's portable. So our goal is that we're going to use this as a bit of a daily prayer guide. So the first aspect is you came into, uh, into the tabernacle, the first aspect was the outer courts, okay? The outer courts. In the outer courts, we give God thanks and praise. So this is, again, starting out your prayer time. So if, if you're sitting in this room and you don't have a prayer life, this is gonna be a great teaching for you to reference. If you're in this room, you have a prayer life, and maybe some days feels a little bit cold. I, I promise you, you're not alone. There's times where I've gone in to pray, and it felt like all I was doing was talking to the wall. God doesn't want that. He wants to commune with you. He, he wants to commune with you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. He wants to meet with you face to face, right? So my goal is in, in, in this teaching time that this is gonna build a bit of a framework for you. So we start our prayer time giving God just thanks and praise. Psalms 100 verse four says, to enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So we thank him for what he's done and we praise him for who he is. Psalms 103, one through five says this, praise the Lord, all my soul, in my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. There's benefits to living for God. It's better than any healthcare or life insurance you can purchase, okay? There's benefits what does he do? He forgives your sins. He heals your diseases, redeems your life from the pit of hell. He crowns you with love and compassion. He satisfies your desires with good things. Why? So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. He wants you to have that youthful exuberance. So Psalms 103, the psalmist has this download during worship and it speaks of the nature of God that applies to you and I today. In Psalms 103, it says uh, that the Lord, is, you are my salvation. You are my healer. You have redeemed me. You have transformed me. You have blessed me. So when you start your prayer time, just begin thanking him. God, I thank you. Thank you that you, that, that, that you saved me. God, I thank you that I'm saved, that I can come into your presence, God. Thank, begin to thank him. Whatever's on your mind to thank him for, just start going down. As you begin to thank him, that joy is just going to come because his presence is attracted to that thankfulness. We enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. So the outer courts is a reminder to give him thanks and to give him praise. And the next we have up, um, as we go through the altar, we have this picture right here, which is a brazen altar. So this is the brazen altar, and, um, and you'll, you'll see, we could do, honestly, an in-depth study just on that, but the brazen altar was a place where then the priests would come in, and what would they do? They would offer sacrifices. So there would be bulls, lambs, and rams. There was something, something needed to die to atone for the sins. And so there were all the sacrifices that would be burned there, and the brazen altar was a reminder to the priests as they walk in. If I hadn't, that, that would still be alive. That thing had to die for me to be able to live. So 
at this point of prayer time, again, using the tabernacle as a, as a model for prayer, as a bit of a prayer guide, we've come in, we've thanked him. I like to focus on the cross. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for my life. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, in Isaiah 53, verse 5, Isaiah the prophet, he's got a, a prophetic picture that's about seven, 700-ish years before Jesus is born. And in, in this picture, he, he sees a Savior. And he writes this. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. So the, we got the peace. He got the punishment. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. So there's this great exchange that he sees happening in Isaiah 53. In the exchanges, there was nails, and the nails gave me freedom from my past. That spear gave him me freedom in my heart. The crown that was placed on Jesus' head gave me freedom in my mind, and the whip gave me freedom in my body. So the brazen altar is a time where we focus on the beauty of the cross and what Jesus did for us. So you've entered the courts, you've come through, there's the brazen altar, and then after the sacrifice is made, the priest would go over to this big wash basin called a laver. And it was a big basin that was filled with water, and then they would wash up because after the sacrifice, they had blood on their hands. So they'd go over to the, to the, to the laver, and they'd begin to wash up. At this moment, uh, I offer every part of my body to God. And I just go from my head to my feet. So Lord, I just give you my mind today. I, I just declare that I'm, I'm, my mind is sharp. Uh, I, I'm not gonna let my mind just uh, wander today. God, I thank you that I have the mind of Christ. Lord, I pray for my eyes. God, I pray that I would not uh, view anything that would be inappropriate. Like Job prayed, he said, I, I will not look lustfully on any woman. I pray against the lust that would try to come against me I pray that over my children. I pray that over our family. I pray, God, thank you, God, that you've given me ears to hear your voice. God, I thank you for speaking, Lord, to me today. God, I thank, and I just go down, sense of smell, taste, that my, my words would be life-giving in speech. And I just go all the way, just head to the toe, right? Romans 12, 1 says this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then Psalms 51, David wrote this in verse 10. He says, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Lord, is there anything that's not clean in my heart? Is there anything that needs to be washed? I pray that you would wash it clean right now. So again, using the tabernacle as a step-by-step -step picture of a daily encounter with God. Then the priest after he came through the outer courts, went to the brazen altar, he washed his hands, then he would begin to enter that holy place. And as he walks in to the holy place, he would be greeted, one of the first things that he would see, and it gave, gave light to the holy place, was the candle. And so the priest, there was, there was the candles that was there, and this is a reminder for us to lean on to the Holy Spirit. So in, the, in, this, in this moment is to invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to me, lead me, guide me today. Lead me, lead me in my prayer time for my family today. Holy Spirit, what's on your heart today? And you just sit and wait before the Lord and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. Again, try to quiet our minds, focus on Jesus, offer our lives to him, invite us to cleanse him, and then 
we encounter, our goal is to have that encounter with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, He said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Question for you today. (laughs) Are you doing too much in your own spirit? Are you doing too much in your own strength? Are you doing too much in your own mind? He wants us to lean on his spirit, lean into him. Isaiah 11.2, this is something I was praying a lot over my, my life this week in particular. It says, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So I'd pray, Lord, let your spirit rest on me. Give me the spirit of wisdom, God. Give me a spirit of understanding. Give me wise counsel, God. Anybody that calls or reaches out or texts me that needs some wisdom in their life, God, give me just that supernatural wisdom. I don't want a good idea. I want a God idea. I don't want Jeff's words. I want your words. God, give me that spirit of wisdom. Give me that counsel. Give me a spirit of knowledge in the fear fear of God. You know, the fear of the Lord isn't like I'm so afraid of God. It's reverence for God, and it's actually I'm afraid to be outside of his presence. I'm so passionate for him. I, I, I have reverence for him. I don't want to be outside of his presence. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. So the, the candle is a reminder of that. Galatians 5.22 talks about the fruits of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. By the way, it's interesting. There's actually nine fruits of the Spirit, but there's also nine primary gifts of the Spirit. There's more gifts of this Holy Spirit, but there's nine primary gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and when you, you take a look at the fruits of the Holy Spirit, if the fruit of the Holy Spirit is active in your life, you'll have the character to be able to be a good steward of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a lot of people that have an incredible gift, but man, they don't have any they don't have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their life. They get prideful, they becomes all about them, and then suddenly they begin to fall. Why? Because they lack the character that's produced through the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Gifts are given. Fruit takes time to grow. And so you're spending time in the presence of God, the fruit of the Holy Spirit begins to come into your life. And that's where you're like, God, breathe. Now I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, breathe on that with the gifts in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's no slide for that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the nine primary gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so there's, and, and within, those, within those gifts that God wants to give to your, his children, that's you and me, within those gifts, there's three primary areas of that. There's, there's, the, there's the gift that's for communication. There's the gift for knowledge. And then there's like the power gifts, the gift of healing, the gift of miracles, et cetera. And, and, and the job isn't, our focus isn't necessarily to just run and be super successful with that gift. Billy Graham said this. He said, our job in life is not to be successful. successful. Our job in life is to be faithful. And I just love that reminder. Just be faithful. Be a faithful steward. Like my friend Jason was sharing this morning about how his dad instilled in the kids that they would be faithful in their tithes, in their offerings. Like that faithfulness. Man, that just produces beautiful fruit in his children. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So as we come into the presence of God, we're with him, we're, we're having this moment, right? The candle is, is a reminder of the Holy Spirit's worth. We're, we're asking, God, I, I'm eagerly desiring your gifts 
I'm, I'm eagerly seeking after your gifts. God, what gift would you have for me? And he says, in the gift of prophecy, especially desire that one. Why? Because that builds up the church. I've heard some people say, well, I don't believe that the gifts are for today. I don't believe in the gift of prophecy, etc." Um, let me just ask you this. Have you ever felt on your heart, man, I really need to encourage somebody today. I really need to encourage or I need to write a card to that person or I need to send a text message. A lot of times you don't recognize it, but that's actually the prompting of the Holy Spirit and prophecy builds up, it edifies the body. And so you could be moving in prophecy and not even realize it. Ever felt to give a, an encouraging scripture to somebody shooting via text or a, something on an Instagram, right? Okay, you could move, you, you might be moving in the gift of prophecy. So just want to encourage you, seek after those gifts. I don't want in my life, I don't want to have just the best version of Jeff. I want to be the best representation of Jesus, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to fail. I'm going to screw it up. I'm going to lose my temper. I'm going to say something I don't mean. I don't need that guy. What I need is the best representation of Jesus on my life. So the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and again, I just want to encourage you, come out to that encounter retreat. Uh, the encounter retreat's happening on November the 5th and 6th. M make it, put it in your calendar. We're going to send out a registration link. Uh, this week it'll go out, and we'll post it on Instagram as well. You just need to register for it because we're going to have a lot of materials that we're going to have to produce for it. We want to make sure that you don't get left out. But uh, I just want to encourage you, the same spirit the whole, that, that raised Christ from the dead, that spirit lives in you. All right, so the picture of the tabernacle, we'll go back to this. So the tabernacle, so with every step, here's the priest walking in. I don't know, I ripped this picture somewhere on the internet, but it's like this little like like toy set or something, I think. But with every <laughs> with every step that the priest took, he he came into the tent of meeting, into the holy place, and he comes through there's the candle, and then the next thing that's next to it is the table of showbread. The table of showbread. And in the table of showbread, that's the reminder to claim the promises of God's word in your life. The table of showbread, it smelt amazing. Some say it didn't taste that good, but it, it smelt like it needed a stick of butter, right? You know, it smelled better than the biscuits from Magnolia Bakery, right? You know, so it, it, it smelt amazing. And, and now the priests would go there and they would always, every, every day, they would have fresh baked bread that would, be, that would go in there. And so, God, I thank you that you got something fresh baked for me today. You got something cooked up for me today that I don't even know about, that I'm going to feast on your word today. My wife uh, and I, uh, we love just, you know, sitting downstairs in the morning before the kids get up uh, and just having a moment, just reading the word of God, praying, spending time in God's word. And, and as we do, there's sometimes where I'll, I'll sit in my chair either at home or at the office and I'll just hold God's word. I just say, God, thank you for your word. Thank you. There's, there's people that died, literally died, were killed to be able to preserve and to give us the Bible. Like there's, there's, there's the underground church in different areas of the world. They, they may only have one page of the Bible for their little church meeting of 20 or 30 people. And they're reading it and they're memorizing it and they're speaking it and they hold, they cherish that. When our kids were little and what we do with our kids ministry here at Authentic Church, we got them their little, like my first Bible, right? And it's like, you know, just a few words and, you know, it's some of the basic Bible stories, Garden of Eden, right? Noah and the Ark, you know, Exodus, you know, and then it kind of fast forwards into Daniel and the lion's den. It's the kid's Bible, right? And we would have our kids hold it and we'd have them kiss it and we'd say, we love God's word. 
I love God's word. We need to hold God's word. You can kiss it if you want to. <laughs> God, thank you for your word. It's precious. It's holy. I don't want to just read it and then go about my day. I want to read it and I want to chew it <laughs> like that delicious bread. I just want to, I just want to let that just get in me. I want to experience you. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good, right? I want, to, I want to have that moment. He's our daily bread. Matthew 4, verse 4, Jesus says, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So how do you read the Bible? You, I, I like to say it this way. You read until you get the rev, okay? You read, you know what I mean? You get the revelation. You get something where it's like, you read the logos, the written word of God, right? That's where you get theology, the study of the written word of God. So you get, read the logos until you get the rhema. The rhema is the, that God breathes spoken word to you for your situation, your life, your marriage, your job, your choices, your move. You read the logos until you get the rhema. So read until you get the red, the rev. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter six. And I just wanna read this and encourage you in this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And he's scheming. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, so when it comes, you're going to be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take that helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray what in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So you want to get into that holy place. So the, the, the tabernacle, that was a place where the, they would have the, the cloud would appear and then fire. And when the cloud or the fire moved, the, it was time to pack up and they would move the tabernacle to a new place. But the goal is that you're getting into that presence of God, you're getting into that moment where there's the fire. And that brings us to the next uh, reminder in your prayer time is the altar of incense. So the priest would walk through and then he would come to the altar of incense, which was this box that was burning constantly, this beautiful smell. And so they had the altar of incense there and the altar of incense was a reminder to worship his name, to worship his name. Psalms 29 verse two, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness, the glory that's due his name. Now I'm about to share with you a lot of information very quickly, okay? Don't feel overwhelmed. Please just do your best to stay with me. At the end of this, I, I'm gonna have all of this on a slide. You can take a picture of the slide, but I'm gonna give you the eight covenant names of God, okay? The eight covenant names of God. And these are reminders, okay? I'm gonna give it to you fairly quickly. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteous. He's Jehovah Mekadesh, my sanctifier. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Nisi. 
He's my banner. What does that mean? It means everywhere we go, I got a banner. We the champs, all right, we won, okay. He's my banner. I'm the victor, okay. It's the battle's over, we won, we're coming home, baby. He's my banner. By the way, a key to winning the battle in life, that, that scripture, he's my banner that's referred to there, that actually is talking about the, uh, there's a passage of scripture where Moses tells Joshua, he's, Joshua, you're gonna go out and fight, and while you're fighting, I'm gonna go up on this ridge, and I'm gonna keep a lookout for you, safe distance, way to go, Mo. And so Moses is up there, and he's got Aaron and her lifting up his arms, and as ar long as his arms were lifted up, they were winning the battle. One of the keys to winning the battle that you face in life is never let your arms down. Never let your guard down. Never let your worship down. Keep on lifting up the name of Jesus. Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, my peace. Judges 6.24 is the scripture there. It's about Gideon. Gideon was afraid and he gets reminded. The Lord says, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your peace. He's Jehovah Reah, my shepherd. Right? Psalms 23 verse 1. He's the good shepherd. He's leading, guiding, instructing me. His, his, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. Gives me a little tap. Says, Jeff, don't say that again to your wife. You know, go this way. So, you know, he's a good shepherd. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Lord is there. So after you do these, after you have the altar of incense, then what do you do? Then the priest would go in and part the veil. And when you walked in, if you had sin in your life, now sin can't live in the presence of a most holy God. So if you had sin in your life and you walked into the holy presence of God, then people, you would die, okay? It's, it's in the Bible, don't blame me. Okay, it's in the Bible. And so you'd have, you know, whatever, priest Jedediah. All right, Jed, it's your turn, buddy. And so what they would do is they would tie a rope around your ankle. <laughs> and if you in there too long, it's either really good or really bad. And they're like, I ain't going in there. So then they would just crossfit, you know, crossfit, pull the rope. You know. They would just pull you out because sin can't live in the presence of the most holy God, right? They're like, I'm not going in. It says Jesus tore the veil. Okay, he didn't just part it, he tore that sucker, okay? He wanted to make sure that you're never gonna have an excuse, never gonna have a reason not to come into the holy presence of God. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He tore that veil. It says in Matthew 27, verse 51, it says, at that moment, the veil in the holy of holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook violently, and rocks were violently split apart because he wanted to make sure that you could always approach him. You can always come to God wherever you may be, whatever you may go, be going through today. I want you to know you can approach God. You can come to him. You can be made right with God in a moment, in a moment. And so there's in, in that holy of holies place is the Ark of the Covenant, right? You've seen this in the movies, right? Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? You see Indiana Jones searching for this sucker, right? Yeah, and, and, and so you, you see this in this centerpiece there is where the presence of God would, they called that the mercy seat. Sometimes we don't come to God because it's like, well, I need to get my life right and then I'll come to church. Dude, you, 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 you won't get your life right without going to church. You tried to do it in your own strength, you ain't. You gotta be able to do it by the spirit of God. So God's saying, hey, I'm here and I have a seat for you and it's actually where my mercy is. I just want to give you some mercy. I just want to love you. I just want to remind you who you are. 
I want to remind you how much I care about you. I want to remind you why I put you on this planet. Let me remind you of your talents and your giftings and the purposes that I put inside of you when I formed you in your mother's womb. There's a plan and a destiny on your life, and I love you. And even if you don't do anything related to all the gifts I've given you, I still love you. Even if you fumbled, I still love you. He wants to pick that up with you. He wants to have that relationship. He wants to be pursued. You know, sometimes, you know, a relationship with God, it, it could unfortunately be uh, like it is sometimes in marriage. In marriage, you know, men, we work so hard together, right? You, you just, you men, you, you were you know, rolling out the red carpet, flowers at the office, little notes hidden here and there. You're going, you're like, I'm going to whisk you away and we're going to do this fun picnic and this day trip and this beautiful hike and it looks like an Instagram post, right? You know, and you're, you're pursuing her, you're pursuing her, and then you get married, and sometimes, unfortunately, we can all forget that. God wants to be pursued. Men, your wife wants to be pursued. Wives, let me give you just a little loving encouragement today. Your husband desperately wants to be pursued. There's so many things that are pursuing the men to take out the men in this world. He wants to be pursued by you. God wants to be pursued. So now you come into the Holy of Holies, there's the ark. And the, the center place, that's the mercy seat. And so the priest would come in there. What do you do? What do you do when you get into the presence of God? Every Bible scholar would agree with what I'm about to say. The priest would come in, and as fast as possible, he would intercede. He'd begin to intercede. He'd begin to intercede for the people that need God in their life, that needs salvation that need to be healed, that need to be reconciled back to God. He would come and intercede because of the sins of the people. He would come and intercede. And for you and me as Christ followers and believers, we have this beautiful relationship with him. And yes, it's awesome. I love basking in the presence of God like we did this morning. I love it when the Holy Spirit shows up and just fills this place with peace. I love that. But if it only is about us gathering together on a Sunday rather than us going out and be missionaries Monday through Friday, then it becomes a Christian country club that's inbred and not a, 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 a world-changing church that's going out and making a difference. And I'm not saying we need to try to build authentic church. I'm not saying about building a brand. I'm talking about you and me taking the torch that God's passed to us and we walk out and we are that light. We are that light wherever we go. And we're, we need to intercede for people. So as you get into this place in this moment, who, who, who is it that you, that you think of, man, I'm in, I'm in here. I have this beautiful relationship. I'm connecting with you, God, like we read earlier about Moses speaking to the Lord face to face. I'm here, but man, all these people, in my mind, they're, they're out there. I'm in here, but they're out there. The Lord is gonna bring people to your mind that's on his heart. And I just wanna encourage us as a body, respond to that. It can't just be all about us. It's gotta be about other people. So they would intercede. First Timothy 2, one through two, says I urge then, first of all, this is Paul writing to young Timothy. He says I urge you then, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made for who? All people. So who do we pray for? All people. Even presidents and governors that you may not like. 
Pray for their families. Pray for their salvation. The kings, controlling governors, absent presidents, blah, blah, blah. That we may, why? That we may live quiet and peaceful lives in godliness. There's a benefit. Your prayers will benefit you, but it'll benefit others. You know, Nicole had shared this morning about all these miracle cards. And it's so beautiful. Like, I'm, like the stories that come in is just beautiful. There was this husband and wife that were praying and believing for a child. And they've been trying um, to have a baby for years and years and years. And then last week, he comes up to me after service. He says, hey, Pastor Jeff, take a look at this. And he shows me a picture on his phone. And it's a positive pregnancy test. And him and his wife just got pregnant. Like... And you heard some of the stories and the miracles that God has been doing in people's lives. And, and it's beautiful what he's doing. And we wanna see more of that happen. But there's miracles in this room, but there's more miracles he wants to do that are outside of this room. So let's commit to going outside of this room and reaching people, amen? I'm gonna have the band go ahead and join me up in front. And I just wanna read a few scriptures to you today. If you're sitting here, and maybe you walked into church, somebody invited you, you're thinking, what am I doing in this place today? You're in a church, okay? You say, are you trying to get me saved? Uh, absolutely, 100%, unashamedly, yes. My mission today is that you have a relationship with Jesus because I know what it's like to be on the outside and I know what it's like to come inside that tent and be able to speak with him face to face. And I'm telling you, he wants to do it. He wants to bring peace and joy and hope and purpose to your life like you've never experienced. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to meet with him and eat with him and he with me. So how do I get this relationship with Jesus? How do I do that? Romans 10, nine through 10 says, if you openly declare, openly declare, somebody says, well, I just pray in my heart. That's the problem. You need to pray with your mouth. You need to pray where other people can hear it. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you really believe that, you're gonna be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring the, your faith that you're saved. Romans 10, 13. This is a big purpose for us. That people will be given an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And it doesn't stop there. You know, Jesus never commanded us to pray a prayer and become a convert to Christianity. <laughs> I wish it was that simple, okay? He actually told us to go all in, to be a sold out disciple, where 100% of my life, my finances, my gifts, my talents, my resources, I'm pushing it to the table and saying, Lord, that's yours. Now you give back to me what you wanna give back to me. You tell me to do what you would like me to do because you're Lord and Savior of my life. I don't, I'm not just punching a ticket to ride to, to heaven. I'm actually saying, Jesus, everything I have, all that I am, all these natural things, and everybody has a natural thing that you're kind of good at, that natural bent. Some of you are blessed with being able to fix stuff, and you can figure stuff out and build stuff. Others are blessed with that gift of hospitality. Others are blessed with that gift to be able to create income and wealth. It just comes easy to you. Other people are really, really gift, blessed with the, the, the gift of playing music and leading people in song. Other, other people are really blessed and, and have that ability to really connect with kids and to love kids and where kids grow. It's just saying, hey, 
everything I have is yours. So Lord, just, I yield to you. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening.